Tone Deaf is the journey of a musical theater nerd, bringing musicals into the life of their musically challenged spouse. The reactions to the musicals are real and mostly unedited. This show is rated explicit for mature content and strong language. Now sit back, relax, and have a laugh. You're listening to Tone Deaf. Welcome to Tone Deaf, a theater nerd's guide for their musically challenged spouse. I'm Kay, a musical theater nerd. And I'm Warren. I'm musically challenged. So before we start, I want to thank quite a few people because of last week we charted in Ireland yes! for the first time, which was really awesome. That was so cool. So thank you so much to our listeners in Ireland. Way um, to represent. We also, uh, so we're recording this Sunday, November 24th. And as of today, we are at 2,991. <gasps> so we're almost to 3K. We're so we'll right probably the be cusp. there. Yeah, so we'll probably be there by, by Wednesday. By the so. time this airs. Yeah. Hopefully. So. Yay! Yay! And then um, for our American listeners, happy Thanksgiving. Um, happy sit there and stuff your face with food with your family and... Hopefully not get into too many arguments around the table. Yeah. We're pretty lucky in that regard because everyone that we dine with is like, fuck Nazis. But, uh... <laughs> uh, happy, be thankful if your day doesn't end in a fist fight with your relatives day. Yes. And, you know, if you need family, come talk to us because we'll, we'll be your crazy aunt and uncle that or brothers and sisters, depending on your age. Depending on your age, uh, will be your awesome aunt or uncle that loves you no matter what, or your uh, strange brother and sister-in-law. Offering bizarre <laughs> advice. Yeah. Maybe. Or uh, strange cousins. One, Whichever one of us you would rather have be the cousin by blood than... <laughs> The other one will be the cousin by marriage. Whatever relative you want us to be, we can be. <laughs> we'll be whichever relative. We can be whatever you want us to be. So, um, that being said, are you prepared to learn about Once Upon a Mattress, the show that you have seen a high school production of, and now we're going to be seeing a condensed soup version? <laughs> <laughs> uh, absolutely. We're going to add a little bit of water. Yeah, I gotta gotta stretch it out a little bit. So you're saying that this will be a little extra salty because it's not got the proper amount of water. Yeah, it doesn't have the proper amount of water or milk or whatever you want to put in your soup. Gin, gin. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't think that. Well, no, don't 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 follow that train of thought. That's a bad train of thought. No, you wouldn't want to do gin anyway. It would be vodka for Bloody Mary and tomato soup. So anyway. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. You just... You made my brain spin off into this horrible tangent. And Okay. <laughs> okay, shake it out. Shake it out, Warren. Shake it out. Shake it out. All right, so... Once Upon a Mattress is a musical <gasps> that is composed by Mary Rogers. Rogers and Hammerstein's wife? Because oh, they're a duo, a duo, so they share a wife, obviously. Uh, 
So mm-hmm. Rogers of Rogers and Hammerstein's wife? Not wife. Daughter? Yes. Oh. Daughter. She is part of the Rogers dynasty. Oh, that's very cool. <laughs> yes. That explains why it looked so good, yep. I guess. Yep, and uh, she, I, I do want to do a deep dive on her later, and really on the whole family, because the whole family composes. Her son is a composer as well. I would imagine that if uh, the musical talent slash skill is not passed down hereditary mm-hmm. through that bloodline, um, I mean, granted, when, like when you're born into a prestigious family like that that already mm-hmm. has a name attached to it it's probably pretty easy to get your stuff looked at even if it's yeah <laughs> i mean she didn't have quite the success of either richard or uh her son but it's because it's because she's a woman and oddly enough musicals are a male-dominated thing yeah from everything yeah. every time we ever see any kind of awards or anything it's always guys who are, who mm-hmm. are writing and mostly white men and not to say that, I mean, and I really like this show, so obviously women can do good musical stuff, mm-hmm. so... Yeah, in fact, some of the ones that we'll do later, you'll probably be like, I love this, and by a woman, or part of the team is a woman, or something. Um, but, uh, yeah, so when when you were a guest, when you were uh, talking about it with our mini-sode about the French girl, the all she can say, say is, is, yes... yes. It's a little bit of a nod to, uh, well, I mean, so this, this was done the same year as Flower Drum Song. Really? <laughs> yes. Huh. So we'll, we'll get into that. Um, That's right. Is... You said it was done in the fifties, hence the, yep. it's the woman's fault that the man's a jerk. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so lyrics are by Marshall Bear- Bearer and the book was by Jay Thompson, Dean Fuller and Marshall Bearer. Um, and this week, we are going to be watching the 2005 TV revival. 2005? Yes. Um, TV revival. Yeah, I mean, revival is a better term for it. It is more of a condensed version, but they did change some things since they condensed it. So I would say it would count as a revival. Hopefully for the better. I mean, uh... Some things are, <laughs> some things are a little bit better and some things I'm like, oh, but we'll get to that. Gotcha. Uh, so this show was originally a short play for the Tamament Adult Summer Camp in 1958. Uh, I've never heard of a summer camp being for adults, which raises some concerns in my brain. I mean, you know, like a resort camp type thing. A holiday camp, but adults okay. only because okay. you want to get away from the you want to get away from your trophies, trophies. <laughs> <laughs> the, the participation trophies for. Se- I'm sorry, I'm not a kid person. Oh no, I'm an I'm an other kids person for short periods of time. <laughs> there are some truly wonderful children yes. out there, and then there's plenty that are mm. not. So like, I I absolutely adore your little cousins, but. There aren't very many kids outside of <laughs> the yeah. kids that we interact with every so often. This is very true. Yes. Um, so, let's see. This. So, like I said, it was originally a short play um, put on in 1958, but it was expanded and turned into a proper full-length musical in 1959. 
It opened off-Broadway on May 11, 1959 at the Phoenix Theater, which is now a megaplex. So it doesn't <laughs> exist anymore. Um, uh, and then it moved to the Alvin Theater, which I believe is now the Neil Simon Theater, if I remember right, um, later in 1959. And then it transferred a few times during its 244 performance run, ending at the St. James Theater. Okay. This was Carol Burnett's Broadway debut. Oh. And she was the first Princess Winifred. <laughs> and you've seen a little bit of Carol Burnett, right? Like the Carol Burnett show? Uh, I think my mom and I had you watch like one of those big infomercials that had a package thing of her show. They had that one and Laugh-In. And, uh... I... I... Probably. Okay. But... She was great. Yeah, she's great. I love her. If you showed me a picture, I'd probably go, oh, yes, her. Okay. Well, you'll you'll see her when we watch the show, because she's back for it. Um, This is going to make for some good radio. One (laughs) second, my darling. Okay, Google, show me Carol Burnett. (laughs) Ah, okay. Okay, uh, oh, okay, yeah, okay, the young Carol, okay, yes, I, 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 uh, okay, now I'm back on the train, on the tracks, so. God, I love you. (laughs) So, the original Broadway run was nominated for Best Musical and Best Actress in the 1960 Tonys and won neither. That sucks. Yeah, but Carol Burnett did receive the Theater World Award for her performance that year. Nice. And when she left the Broadway run, another TV great, who you would recognize from the Brady Bunch as Alice, Ann B. Davis, uh, replaced her. She was the maid. Oh, okay. Who was another one of those early crushes. I I feel like... Then again, I I didn't actually see much of the original Brady Bunch. Mm -hmm. I saw, like, parts of it here and there Mm -hmm. on occasion. So... Yeah, I I had a little bit of a thing for Alice. I feel like she's one of those characters that's the litmus test for if you're going to be bi or a lesbian. (laughs) (laughs) Depending on which generation you're at. (laughs) That's fair. Maybe. I don't know. The, the, I there's personally also, think there's also no accounting for taste. This so is true. People people will have different tastes. This is very true. <laughs> um, I mean, Alice looked like she could take care of you. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so August 1960 saw the start of the U.S. tour, and this was notable for casting Buster Keaton as King Sextimus. What would I know Buster Keaton from? Silent movies. Oh, then no. Okay. He, he was the one who uh, they have the scene where he's standing in a door or standing in front of a building and oh. the building falls over on him and 
he like couldn't have moved one step to either yeah. side and or he'd yeah. have been a pancake yes. okay i have seen that mm-hmm. and hanging off of the clock and yeah yeah that's okay. buster keaton so he already so that that's a logical casting choice because he's already demonstrated he's a great physical comedian yes since he's playing a mute yes and he apparently was really great with all the younger performers and stuff and was dispensing advice to everybody and Yeah, just a good guy. Yeah, so that's that's pretty awesome. Um, London began their production in September of 1960, and it was a short run. It was only 24 performances. Oh yeah. But then came the TV adaptations, and this is where things get a little weird. So you said TV adaptations, yes. Okay, Uh, can I can I guess how many there's there were? How many? Six. No. More. No. Oh, okay. There's only three. Oh, okay. But they drastically change some things. So our first one is in 1964. And this is a black and white one, uh, filmed live, and it mostly retained the original Broadway cast. This version was only 90 minutes long and cut a lot of the songs and scenes, and it changed the subplot of Larkin and Harry to one of a secret marriage instead of the thing that it is originally okay so secret marriage as in like they're secretly getting married mm-hmm. because she's pregnant yeah okay. instead of it being the whole brah, 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 drama 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 brah. yeah okay. um 1972 saw a color tv adaptation and burnett was in the lead this time again but a familiar face to tone deaf listeners joined the cast uh-oh Bernadette Peters was Lady Larkin. Nice. Mm Mm-hmm. And then again, uh, songs and scenes were cut, as were The Minstrel and The Wizard. Minstrel and The Wizard? Yes, were both cut from this version. So who's... Okay, so I guess if that's the case, then in the beginning it wasn't somebody regaling children, it was just the story? It was Burnett singing Many Moons Ago instead. Okay. At the start. Um, So yeah, bit different, and... This isn't the last time that the minstrel's going to get cut. So I have a tangent of a question that is still tentatively yes. related to this. We've talked about licensing shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what are the guidelines? Like, if you're licensing a show, or well, what are the guidelines for, I want to cut this character, or cut this character, or make these two characters the same one? Or It would depend, I believe, yeah. on what sort of... Because I know that when you're doing your community theater productions, they generally don't want you cutting as much. Um, I think that you have to be working more with... Is it a case of money talks? If you're broadcasting for TV, you're like, well, we're going to do whatever we want because... Yeah, and with with TV, it's a little different, too, because of uh, advertising and stuff. Yeah, and... That's, that's what I mean by money talks. Yeah. You have to have commercial breaks and you want to mm-hmm. portion it to be this certain length because you don't want it to screw up other shows that are coming before and after yeah and with these they're all 90 minute adaptations and as we saw the musical is not 90 minutes it's longer yeah and so in order to do 90 minutes you're cutting things you're removing characters you're changing plots and i guess because it's i want to say it was about two hours so Mm -hmm. you're losing about 30 minutes but yeah and so you're losing a quarter yeah and it's I I believe that in these cases, this is why I consider them more of a sort of revival, because they are making big enough changes to the show, like... 
they changed the subplot in the first adaptation with Harry and uh, Lady Larkin. So that is a change. And but again, money talks. And if you're adapt if you're adapting something with uh, what am I trying to say? What are you trying to say? I don't know what I'm trying to say. That's I am shaky. <laughs> I think I had too much coffee this morning. All right, so uh, let's move on to 1996. A year before my sister was born. Yes. Once Upon a Mattress was revived on Broadway, and Sarah Jessica Parker was the lead, and this is the only thing I like her in. Sarah Jessica Parker played Winifred? Yes. And it is the only thing that I like her in. I don't know if I've ever heard her sing. She sings okay. In fact, uh, I I like her take on Winifred in the cast recording. So did um, you listen to this one? Mm-hmm. Okay. I, this was actually the first one that I listened to as a kid. Oh, okay. Um, and again, only thing I like Sarah Jessica Parker <laughs> in. Because after listening to this, I'm like, oh, I want to see others. Uh only thing I know her from really is sex in this. Well, then again, she was also, oh, oh my God. Wait, 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 wait. I'm trying to remember the sister's names in Hocus Pocus because she was the. Yes, the, she is the, the witches. Yeah, she's the blonde witch. Yeah. And she's my least favorite of the three witches. <laughs> Come, little children, I'll take thee away into my land. Of enchantment. Kay gave me super creepy face look. Well, it was an I'm being super creepy, not Kay. I should have filmed creepy. that because that would have been great to throw on our social media. Yeah, but... No. <laughs> no. I mean, every time Warren starts singing, just. Hey, yeah, that's not fair. <laughs> Two can play at that game. We both have smartphones. So, um, this. This production was nominated for Best Revival, uh, or for the Best Revival Tony in oh. 1997. So the, the version with Sarah Jessica Parker. Yeah. Didn't win, but... It was nominated. Yeah, it was and nominated. It, and as some people some people say, it's an honor just to be nominated. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, and they did another off-Broadway production in 2015, but it was a limited engagement run, and there's not as much about it, so... Now we're going to move on to the version we're watching. Dun dun. This is the 2005 Wonderful World of Disney broadcast on ABC. Okay. This version brings back Burnett, but this time she's Queen Agravain. Ha! Agravain! Ha! You were Winifred, now you've gotten old! Ha! God damn. <laughs> now get out there and make me some goddamn money! Ha! This makes me want to do the next thing. Um, <clears throat> this time, it stars Tracy Ullman as Winifred and features a few other... Hey, it's that fucking guy! <laughs> ...type of people like Zoe Deschanel as Larkin and Tom Smothers, the older of the Smothers brothers, as Sextimus. Ha ha. Ha Sextimus. This time, we axe the fuck out of the minstrel... And we cut most of his songs, save for the song Normandy, which has a different purpose in this version. Ha! Ha! <clears throat> and now my throat's going, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, for those who can't understand when I do Mickey. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, there's there's a lot of, hey, that it's that, guys. Uh, 
And do you remember the Smothers Brothers at all? The name is very familiar, but... I don't know if I've shown you my favorite Smothers Brothers clip ever. Because uh, I... So I had their video on yo-yoing, but... Like, they had a yo-yo tricks video that was really great. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was hilarious. But uh, they had a TV show in the 60s. And my favorite thing is when they had The Who on. Oh, nice. of course it would be. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Keith Moon rigged the drum set to explode. <laughs> oh, my God. But the first time that they did their rehearsal, it didn't explode enough. And then it exploded too much. <laughs> Sounds like a Keith thing. If I remember thing. right, Keith got a bit of shrapnel in his arm from the symbol, oh, and geez. that was what led Pete Townsend on the road to deafness. And <laughs> oh man! And it's great because you you're watching uh, right as it explodes, and John just slightly moves to the left a little bit. Like, <laughs> this motherfucker's gonna make it explode more. Oh, God. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Keith Moon was the pyrotechnics of The Who. If I can sneak in a Who reference into every episode of Tone Deaf, I'll be happy. <laughs> well, you gotta do more because gotta do you're, more. you're significantly behind on your I Who reference I am significantly quota. behind. Um, but because the Smothers Brothers were a part of this version, I was like, hell yeah, I'm putting this in. Nice. So, um, this show is licensed by Musical Theater International, and it's extremely popular for high schools and community <laughs> theaters. As we saw. As we saw. Um, it's also, uh, through the Richard, ha or the Rogers <laughs> Hammerstein. <laughs> through the Richard. God damn. Usually the Richard is the one who goes through. Oh, God. <laughs> I'll give you a mulligan, my dear. Um, so it's usually, uh, or it's also through the Rogers and Hammerstein Foundation, which is what Mary Rogers was a chair on for a while. Um, Makes sense. Daughter of one of the founders. Yeah. And she actually, uh, this was one of her most famous works. Oh, I, I, I can see. Uh, she did a mad, mad, or a mad magazine musical review with, I believe that was the one that she did with Stephen Sondheim, if I remember, but it wasn't as big of a thing and she tried to do a few other musicals but they never really took off however she did write the children's book that later became the movie freaky friday really uh -huh. oh. and she wrote the screenplay for that as well interesting because I, I have seen freaky friday once mm -hmm. um but I, I mean i did like it yeah it was, it was back when i Really like Lindsay Lohan and, of course, Jamie Lee Curtis. Well, so she did the original Freaky oh, Friday. The 1970s. I didn't realize that mm -hmm. the one that I saw was a But yes, uh, or not sequel, our, our mutual crush of Lindsay Lohan. And Jamie Lee Curtis. And Jamie Lee Curtis. I couldn't remember if you had the same crush on Jamie Lee Curtis that I did or not. I, I forget you have not seen True Lies yet. I know! I I should have, because I've, it's got both Tom Arnold and Jamie Lee Curtis, and somehow... If you like Jamie Lee Curtis, she has a great scene in there that will make you go, mm, Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, I don't know why I've never <laughs> seen it. Because it, it can't be... I mean, I was never a Arnold girl. I was other always than an Arnold a, guy. Other than a Tom Arnold girl. I was a Tom Arnold girl, but not an Arnold Schwarzenegger girl. So. I was a boy, so give me all of the action movies so. yeah that's fine um 
like outside of the action, I guess, because I do like the action stuff and Arnold Schwarzenegger stuff, but anything with the anything trying to highlight the muscles, I'm like, meh. Now my brain is going, uh, I wonder how many Hollywood strings would need to be pulled to get Arnold Schwarzenegger in a musical, in a singing role. <laughs> True Lies the Musical. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I would pay to see that? Oh, hell yeah. With the original cast. <laughs> Please, God. I don't even know if any of them can sing. I don't care. I would watch it. <laughs> My brain is just sitting here, okay, Tom Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jamie Lee Curtis. I'm like, who else the fuck was in that show? <laughs> at, at least the three of them. I don't care if they can't sing. I'll watch it. Wow, we have uh, spun off into a whole other world of tangents. A whole new world of tangents just over there. It's because I'm sitting here and I'm like, and that's the end of my notes. <laughs> oh, okay then. Yeah. Then I won't say I'll stop distracting you and let you get back to your notes. Yeah, no, the notes are now over because there's not as much really but to talk about. Thus as... concludes the the educational portion of our program. Now on to our regularly scheduled Richard humor. <laughs> <laughs> now on to your regularly scheduled nonsense. So, are you ready for this uh, condensed soup version. I am very ready, because, uh, mm -hmm. like I said before, I really enjoyed the high school production we saw, and mm -hmm. uh, even if they did change stuff, I'm sure they kept in the big things that I really liked, because yes. it sounds like those are the things that everybody likes. Yeah. So you don't want to cut out the main course, so to speak, mm -hmm. of the show. Uh, so yeah, I'm very, very intrigued. Very intrigued to see a different production of it. Awesome. I'm so excited then. So let's take a brief intermission and go watch the 2005 Wonderful World of Disney production ha -ha, of Once Upon a Mattress. Ha -ha. Now get out there and give me a goddamn review. Ha -ha. Hi folks, we wanted to take a quick moment to thank our Patreon sponsors. Thank you to our stage crew sponsors, Jasmine Wu and Reagan, and our producer circle sponsor, Bianucci. Thank you so much for your continued support of our show. We truly appreciate it. And now let's hear from our friends Alex and Sunshine over at Pomegranates and Pitchforks. Oh my god, I know words. Yeah, I love etymology! Spooky-ooky. Murderer. Double murders. Zombies. Horror is always political. Mm -hmm. I don't like that at all. Hi, I'm Alex. And I'm a creep. And I'm Sunshine, her creep-enabling best friend. Together we tackle all things horror. History, politics, science, and sociology. From zombies to serial killers. Pomegranates and Pitchforks is a horror and true crime podcast that brings true stories and not-so-true stories together in beautiful and disturbing harmony. And now, the lights are going down and the music is starting back up, so let's hop into the second act of the show.
All right, babe, so what's the verdict? Are you gonna live happily, happily, happily ever after with the show? I want to throw it into the moat. Uh, <laughs> just a little bit. I don't want to be too harsh on this show, but I will say that I actually like the high school production more mm -hmm. uh, for the reason, the main reason of that I thought that the acting was better in mm -hmm. the high school version. Uh, not to be overly harsh to some of the adult actors in this version, but I felt like some of the performances were phoned in. Mm -hmm. um, I, 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 I'm, uh, I'm disappointed in Zoe. Uh, I felt like more often than not, she was just, yeah, not giving a shit. That is how I kind of feel watching her anyway in shows so she's i mean she's good she, she's a good singer yeah I, I don't think she's a very good actress no she's, uh, she just i, I mean she didn't impress me in elf so and i'm already i feel bad talking okay talking about elf i feel bad because since i'm not really a fan of that show anyway mm -hmm. no matter how good of an actor is in it i'm always they're, they're gonna lose some points anyway just because <laughs> it's elf mm -hmm. uh but with this show yeah i i it is, it's very, very interesting to have seen the high school version first and mm -hmm. then being like, awesome, I'm excited to see another version of this. And while I did still- With all in, these professionals With all actors. these professionals and, and a higher budget and, you know, and while I did enjoy it, mm -hmm. um, it didn't have the same heart that the high schoolers had yep. in their production. Uh, yeah, so- so uh, it was it was it was still good. It was still fun. How did you like Tracy Ullman and Carol Burnett? Carol Burnett, I felt like she was okay as the queen. Mm -hmm. I, this sounds it's funny because I really liked the energy that the high schooler brought to it with mm -hmm. like faster dialogue and stuff like that, and just almost like a manic delivery. Yeah, uh, Carol Burnett was a little bit more decisive and calculated in the mm -hmm. way that she played the role and i kind of liked the version that was almost talking as if the off switch is broken yeah and carol burnett was while she did you know override other people you know asserting herself what i have mm -hmm. to say is more important stuff like that the dialogue just the delivery i guess was just different and i did like the high school version of that character better yeah uh tracy ullman out of all the actors what yeah just mm, oh mm. on your heart mm -hmm. yeah tracy ullman out of all the actors uh she was my favorite yes uh she did a great job with her character i liked the 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 flavor she brought to her character mm -hmm. um not to say and, and that was i was thinking about that between the high school version because i really liked the high school version um, with uh, Winifred. Mm -hmm. I really liked that actress's portrayal of her. I thought she did a, a fabulous job. And I almost kind of wonder if she watched this version to get her idea for how to play that character. Possibly. Because I was definitely seeing some parallels. Whereas mm -hmm. with the queen, uh, the two characters were very different in yeah. a lot of ways. But I felt like the Winifreds were closer in the mm -hmm. way that they behaved and their on-screen presence type yeah. of, of situation so with that being said we shall dive into my notes for 
Once Upon a Mattress, the 2005 TV movie version produced by... Ha <laughs> uh, <laughs> We are treated to the Disney Castle's adopted brother and some exposition about the state of the kingdom. <laughs> it was like a dirtier looking version of the Disney Castle. So... And I felt it was it was poignant considering that Disney mm-hmm. did this version. We joined the royal court uh, for the lightning round of who wants to marry this bitch's son. <laughs> and princess uh, brown hair and green dress is the one is one is one series of four questions away from being the proud daughter-in-law of the most obnoxious woman in the land. <laughs> Lady Larkin scoffs at the law of the land, but is overheard by Queen Resting Bitchface, and Larkin then grants us the marriage law exposition that no one can get down and dirty legally until the prince does. I mean, people can get down and dirty, but you can't get married, and getting preggers out of wedlock is the worst thing in the world. I guess, according to this plot. (laughs) Anyways, Princess Greendress fails to properly answer the fourth question of the lightning round. <laughs> should have stayed in school she should have stayed in school and studied harder. Just kidding. The queen gives the most impossibly ridiculous tasks for her potential future daughter-in-laws to answer because deep down the only woman that she wants in her son's life is her. <laughs> yeah, they play that up so <laughs> much in this version. <laughs> Uh, This is what psychologists call emotional incest, because Mm -hmm. the queen is extra creepy towards her son in this. Like, you you made the comment to me that you got a Homelander vibe with, I can't remember the woman's name in in The Boys. No, no, in The Boys. Oh, uh, yeah. But you got a vibe between those two. And I was like, nah, I don't really see that. In this version, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, not that the son is into it, but the queen... No, but the queen definitely... Ugh. Okay, okay. Okay. Uh, let's, let's all... Uh, let's all psychically bleach that from our minds. Side note, the queen in this looks like a blue and red bedazzled combination of Maleficent and the queen, from, queen of Hearts from Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> so keep that in mind, listeners. Anyways... Princess Greendress fails to fails the asinine test and is given a swift boot to the behind. Lady Larkin, upset with the Princess Greendress's failure, leaves the court and goes on a pout walk. However, she doesn't get far before being ambushed by Sir Charmsalot, also known as Sir Harry, <laughs> the future Prime Minister of the land. Lady Larkin gives Sir Harry the 411 on the Get Dauntless Laid and End the Stupid Marriage Law situation, and Harry is like, well, it's the law, and nothing is more precious than the law, not even love. Lady Larkin then gives Harry a reality check, saying, hey, you knocked me up, and in a few months I'll be showing my baby bump, and we will have to leave in disgrace because a mad monarch makes the best laws. (laughs) Harry decides that he will set out on a perilous journey to find a worthy princess of true worth to satisfy the queen and the prince. 
Prince Dauntless laments to the Queen over how he really liked Princess Greendress and how he doesn't think his mother wants him to get married. Queen Agravain would give Sigmund Freud uncomfortable feelings <laughs> with how much she insists that she wants Dauntless to get married, but she doesn't want him to end up in a horrible, loveless, miserable marriage like she is. She wants Dauntless to marry a princess just like her. I don't know. I think that... uh with Freud, Agravain would give him a bit of a cigar. Ah. Ah. Ah! Because he'd be like, I must, I, must in, I must investigate this and figure out why you are this way. I must spend time in chamber with Queen to find out why she is this way. Why do you want to fuck your son? She just wants to be in control. I mean, of course, who wouldn't want to marry someone as aggravating as Agravain? Uh. Queen, for the love of God, sever the umbilical cord, is feeling, <laughs> is feeding her grown-ass son like a baby. When oh, Sir, God, that was so creepy. When Sir Harry comes in, offering his services of finding a princess, the Queen shoots down the idea, because uh, of course she does, stating that all available princesses in the neighboring kingdoms have failed, so they'll just have to wait for their little sisters to grow up. But all the blue balls in the kingdom don't have that kind of time. Dauntless begs his mom to let Sir Harry go on this quest. The queen gives in after some very creepy baby talk to her grown-ass son. The way... This was so just gross. The way that she talks to her son is the way that I talk to puppies. But less less uh, incestuous, because I'm... Oh my gosh, oh who's a good duck? Oh, it's oh, a good sweet ducky with the floppy ears. Oh my gosh, look at you, you're so cute. That's how I, I, I can't help but do baby voice with animals. It's it's uh, uh, my curse. It was um, so creepy. One of my curses. But Agravain was just, oh my sweet baby boy. Oh my And it didn't help that they made sure that the actor who played Prince Dauntless looked old enough that this would just be super off-putting. <laughs> yep. <laughs> they did not have a fresh-faced young man. They had it look yep. like this is a man who yep. should have... Yep. Yep. Duh. He, uh, he, he, he is a man who is, I will say, past his prime, so to uh -huh. speak. Uh, no, no offense to the actor, of course. No, but... Oh, God, it was so... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's mind wipe. Sir Harry sets out on his quest to find the prince some to find the prince some royal booty. Time passes quickly, as movies do, and three weeks feels like three seconds. Trumpets sound and people cheer as Sir Harry has returned. Everyone gathers in the courtyard to await the noble knight's triumphant return, and we're greeted with silence. <laughs> Until a sound. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's a woman scaling the castle wall. The swamp woman spits a mouthful of moat onto the floor and announces her presence. She's here because Sir Harry succeeded and found a new royal booty for the queen to poo-poo. Turns out, 
this mysterious swamp woman is a little shy. She's just here to tell us that she's shy. You may not believe it, but she's shy. <laughs> and we know that this is the case that she's shy because she sings it to us quite beautifully, if I do say so, which I do. We get the Swamp Maiden's song and dance number with the entire male court of lords while Dauntless looks on entranced. The queen, holy shit, woman, don't you know? Okay. <laughs> queen, holy shit, woman, don't you wish you would have gone with the normal princesses? You're the reason we have this soppy swamp woman here to, to sever. So sever the damn umbilical cord, you crazy bitch. Her name's a mouthful. I mean, she really could shorten it. Kay's gone into laughing seagull. We find out that the princess's name is Winifred, the woebegone, and the queen tears her to pieces, saying she, will, she won't she will let some moat swimmer marry her son over her dead body. Winifred decides to leave because this bitch is crazy, but Dauntless stops her because he likes her. He really, really likes her. Mm -hmm. Harry finally shows up in his bulky armor to announce to her majesty, Princess Winifred! But the queen is like, she's come and gone. That swamp woman is no princess, Harry. Harry disagrees and shows the queen Winifred's breeding papers, proving in writing that she is one of the royal blood. The queen is pressured by her court to give Winifred a test, because they're all horny and want to get married. The queen agrees and promises, promises, she'll make a fair test as she always does. <coughs> Bullshit. <laughs> The queen and the court wizard, who I'm pretty sure are fucking, hatch a plan to test Winifred's sensitivity. Mm -hmm. And what better way to do that than by piling mattresses on top of each other and placing a tiny mushy vegetable underneath. And if Winifred is unable to sleep because of the extreme discomfort caused by the pee, she'll be permitted to marry Dauntless. The plan is decided and the test scheduled for that night. And of course, because the queen is super duper fair, she <laughs> asks the wizard to make a sedative for Winifred to ensure that she gets a good night's sleep on top of her 20 goose feather down mattresses. Winifred is hanging out in her room with Dauntless and some ladies in waiting when the jester brings the king to meet Winifred. The king, of course, is mute from a curse that was placed upon him uh, long before Dauntless was born. The king will remain mute until the mouse swallows the hawk. Winifred tells Dauntless she likes 50% of his parents. <laughs> After the king leaves, Winifred is hanging out with Dauntless. She regales he and the entire entourage of what life is like in the swamp and how even now she can hear the call of the bog and the frogs. Gulp, gulp, ribbit, ribbit. And the swamps and the such. Home <laughs> are brushed with green and gold at break of day. At break of day. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to remember all the lyrics to that one. You did a better job than I did. It's one dear. of my favorite. I, I, I love the songs in the show. And There's good songs. Tracy Ullman just. She, she killed him. They're definitely good songs. In the good way. And this is, of course, the scene uh, when they talk about the, the prophecy of the mm -hmm. mouse swallowing the hawk. She's like, well, couldn't you get a really big mouse and a tiny hawk? They're like, we tried that. The mouse ran away and the hawk bit daddy. And this time it's implied that uh, the hawk bit 
the dad in the ass. In the ass, because he goes to show it, and he's pulling down his pants. They're like, no, 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 we don't need to see. <laughs> Which, why was your ass near the hawk? <laughs> Who knows? Maybe he was running away from it, and it just swooped down and got him. Maybe? Maybe. I mean, you know, they got those beaks, and uh, uh, they do have crushed velvet suits are not going to prevent... I mean, <laughs> For the tearing cloth of flesh. armor, cloth armor, yeah, uh... versus piercing damage. Because I'm a nerd. You're my nerd. Uh, damn right. Mm. Winifred and Dauntless are playing croquet, and Dauntless sucks because he's him. Dauntless knocks the croquet <laughs> stone into the fountain and startles the queen. She's laughing at Dauntless sucks because he's him. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, we don't ever see him, like, have any particular skills because no. he's a spoiled, pampered little boy. Uh, so they knock the croquet stone into the fountain and startle the queen. Swamp Thing and Princess, for the love of God, you need to get that cord severed, my dude. Walk over to her royal pain in the ass and inquire about what's going on in the courtyard. What with the moving of things to and fro. The queen is like, in honor of the princess, we, whatever your name is, I really don't care. We're throwing a party. I did love those back and forths between the uh, queen. She's the always queen and the princess because she can never. She doesn't care, so she never remembers her name. And she's always like, uh, "Princess Winifred." Yes, yes, princess, yes, yes. whatever the fuck. Yeah, princess, whatever the fuck your name is. I don't care. Uh, the party. So we cut to that evening. And the party is in full swing, and the queen is ready for phase one of her totally fair, super-duper legit test. Make everyone dance the Spanish Panic, a dance that is supposed to be the most exhausting in the world. Winifred dances everyone to the floor and is like, That's great! Let's do it again! The queen is pissed off and calls it a waste of time, leaving to go pout in the antechamber. Swamp Thing and Prince Still on the Nipple talk to Winifred... <laughs> I thought you might like that <laughs> Jesus. Why? Why? I think you might have noticed the theme with the prince's name. My brain went immediately to that scene in the boys. Why? God damn it. Uh. <laughs> yep. Yep. I agree. Ew. How much wine do we have left? Because we're going to need it to bleach my brain. <laughs> Half a box. Awesome. <laughs> okay. I'm going to say it again, though. Swamp Thing and Prince still on the nipple. Talk to Winifred. Uh, talk and Winifred inquires what the test will be. The prince tells her it could be anything. This batshit crazy of a mother even made a woman do deadlifts. <laughs> Winifred tests her might and shows strength. Dauntless is impressed because even he couldn't lift that weight. Something tells me Dauntless couldn't... Something tells me Dauntless wouldn't know how to wipe his own ass without his mama around. <laughs> Winifred tells Dauntless to call her by her nickname. Not Winnie, but Fred. The prince then gathers the court to hear him sing about how he's in love with a girl named Fred. You know what, though? Thinking about it, Fred is so much better of a nickname than Winnie. <laughs> nah, I mean, Winnie is what horses do. Um, mm -hmm. But I... You, when I hear a girl, like, I don't know, if I had a friend named Winifred and she wanted me to call her Fred, I would be totally down with that. Mm -hmm. But then I would then slip into, like, Freddy. Eh, they might like it. And who knows? I mean, there are women named Frederica, too, so. Frederica? Mm-hmm. 
Ah, uh, meanwhile, the queen and her sneaky, totally fair test makers are skulking around, but are spotted by Lady Larkin, who seems to be packing to flee, but follows the sneaky band of super legit prince tester, princess testers. Uh, she overhears the queen saying that the test is tonight, and the queen decides that the best place for her is the dungeon, so she can't tell anyone about the queen's test. But lucky for the queen, I guess, the wizard divulges that Swamp Fred is in her chamber studying for the test. Excuse me. All of these incest jokes are giving me gas. Yeah, they should be. They should be, <laughs> they should be making you super nauseous like I am. Prince oh. 40-year-old virgin comes... <laughs> I'll give Kay a moment. This is my favorite part of our <laughs> podcast, by the way. Is making my wife laugh over shows that she loves. Continue. Prince 40-year-old virgin comes in, to, comes in to see Fred with her head on the desk. Dauntless tries to do some quizzing with her, and we find out that they're both worth at worth. They are both worse at mathematics than I am. <laughs> Dauntless decides that his tutoring is done and leaves Fred to her studies. Winifred sings about how great things will be once she's married. I think I was typing, and I was typing. I take the songs as time to type. Kay, what was that song about? So, uh, let's see. She. Talks about, uh, they all lived happily, happily, happily ever after. Uh, the couple is happily leaving the chapel eternally tied. When the curtain descends, there's nothing but loving and laughter. When the fairy tale ends, the heroine's always a bride. And then she goes on talking about, uh, Cinderella and how it's unfair that Cinderella had a fairy godmother. I do <laughs> And that. Uh, then she talks about Snow White. And So I do uh, need to make a correction. Um, my wife laughing is the second favorite part of my podcast, of our podcast. <laughs> my first part is when I can get her to sing. Uh, okay, so that, okay, so, but that yeah, kind of was it. It was just her singing about how she can't wait to be married because they'll be happy well, ever after. Well, so she isn't saying that she can't wait to be married. It's more that she's going... I do not have the outside help that these other princesses oh, had. Gotcha. I am fucked. <laughs> like, uh, my favorite, though, is her verse about Snow White with the, uh, she was dumped on the border, but was saved by some men who adored her. Oh, I grant you, they were small, but there were seven of them, practically a regiment. <laughs> yeah, talking about the dwarves, and yeah, I, I like that song. I like that song. song a lot, so... After Fred's song, she's walking the palace halls reading and finds her way to the dungeon. Upon hearing the sobs of the imprisoned Lady Larkin, Fred frees her and the two talk for a bit. Fred tells Lady Larkin that Harry does love her a whole lot, and in fact, when they were traveling to the kingdom after Harry found her in the swamp, she grew quite tired of hearing Harry talk about how perfect Lady Larkin was. 
Larkin tries to tell Fred about the super fair and totally not rigged test, but is forced to go back into the prison as footsteps approach. It's the wizard with two guards, here to see Fred to the royal chamber for some sleepy time. Larkin is not able to give Fred the details of the test, and the wizard gives her his death gaze. The merry bunch of fair testers leave the dungeon, <laughs> but did not check that Larkin's cell door was secure, and Larkin flees the dungeon. I like this version of the subplot with Larkin and Harry I a do too. lot better. So much better. It, it improves so upon it great. a lot more. And I don't want to uh, <clears throat> punch down on Zoe too much, but... Mm -hmm. I'm glad that she was Larkin and Larkin didn't have as much of a part in this. Yeah. Just, yeah. I did just... She... Yeah. She sang really pretty. Yeah, she has a beautiful voice. She has a voice, beautiful voice, but, but... I just don't feel like she gives a shit when she's acting. I don't... At all. Like, I, I was gonna give... Uh, I was gonna give crap to Harry's actor a bit, too, but he is better. Mm -hmm. Or not, sorry, not Harry. Uh, Harry's actor was fine. Um... Dauntless. Dauntless is actor. Mm -hmm. But there's a scene later on where he gets emotional and sheds a tear. And yeah. that made me go, okay, holy shit, you're great. Like, yeah. I was like, damn, dude. That was mm -hmm. that was impressive. Okay. Prince, Prince Dauntless runs into Harry in the corridor and tells him that he finally understands how Harry feels about Larkin. Because he feels that way about Fred. The prince then continues on to the kitchen? I don't know, but he's looking for his <laughs> father, who seems to be cooking. Mm -hmm. Dauntless asks to have a to have the talk with his dad, cause Prince cause Prince Chastity here is worried about his wedding night. <laughs> the king uh, pantomimes the talk with Dauntless, who is like, "Oh, a bird doesn't bring babies at all. Mama lied to me." <laughs> Because the dad's pantomiming the stork, and he's like, oh, the stork, I know about the stork, daddy, mama told me years ago. And then he's like, wait, female, like, woman, seed, man, flower, birds, bee, like, then he, he puts it all together in his mind that a bird doesn't drop a baby off, people fuck. That's how babies are made. <laughs> Sorry to any of our really sheltered listeners who, I don't know how you could get sheltered into this point of our show, but... <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> Larkin is fleeing the castle and runs into Harry, who is like, I was wrong. Nothing is more important than love. I will help Fred cheat to pass the Queen's test. He then sings to Larkin about how once they get married, once, oh sorry, once the marriage law is lifted, they'll wed and have their honey in honeymoon in Normandy. Hopefully it's the Normandy 2 and not the Normandy 1, since that got destroyed by the collectors at the beginning of Mass Effect 2. Then again, that might not be the best place for a honeymoon, since Commander Shepard is always taking the Normandy on suicide missions. Maybe instead, they should honeymoon somewhere on Earth. I really wish that all of you could have watched Kay's face transform because it was fucking beautiful. I start reading it and you watch Kay's eyes. She goes down scowl like, what is he talking about? And then it clicks and she's like, he's making a fucking video game reference in our musical theater podcast. Yes, I am. Any uh, fellow Mass Effect nerds in the audience listening, what, what? Uh, oh, God, my head hurts. <laughs> that stupid joke aside, 
Larkin and Harry are running through the castle and come upon the jester, who tells the duo that the king wants to help the princess pass the queen's test. But if only, if only they knew what the test was. A knight standing against the wall, who turns out to be more than a decoration, was really the king, and in a previous scene he overheard the queen's totally fair and balanced plan for the test. The king gives a devilish grin, and the scene changes to the queen, singing about how this one tiny pea can do it for her, cause no woman is good enough for her sweet baby boy. Add it in. Wait, oh, that's right. I, I, cause I remember listening to this. And I'm like, I don't recall this in the version we saw. Yeah, the other no. Day. And I couldn't find like when I was trying to find stuff about this one without spoiling anything. I couldn't find stuff about this song. <laughs> it's not. I mean, it's not. It's, creepy yeah. as fuck. Yeah, it's very it's very incestuous. There I don't know why Disney felt the need to make this version way more incestuous than other version. I don't know. But... I don't know. I don't know. Disney has an issue too. I don't know. I don't know. Does Mickey Mouse want to fuck his mom? I don't know cuz we never see Mickey's mom. Oh god. Oh god, he pulled a Homelander, didn't he? He killed her. He killed her. Ha ha! How do you like that now, Ma? Ha ha! I took this off the rails. I apologize. Uh, the Queen's Pea Song concludes <laughs> with the ladies in waiting. <laughs> I'll give Kay a moment. God damn it. <laughs> you okay? Okay. The Queen's Pea Song concludes with the ladies-in-waiting bringing Fred into the royal chamber for nighty-night times. The Queen forces a potion of opium and warm milk down Fred's throat. Literally. Yep. This, this reminded me so much of a Camille Nanjolani joke where uh -huh. he's talking about... Oh, I can't remember what was the some drug, you know, some street drug, which was cheese. It was called they called it cheese. Uh, I can't remember what they called it. it was cheese, but it's a combination of heroin and Tylenol PM. And he's like, <laughs> I think the heroin's doing the heavy lifting in that duo. <laughs> Whenever you add heroin to anything, it's the heroin that's doing the work. Jesus. So when they have a concoction of heroin and warm milk, you could just leave out the warm milk. It's the heroin that's doing the heavy yeah, lifting. Yeah, I, I guess in this case, the opium. But same difference. Yeah, same tomato, difference. tomato. <laughs> so you say tomato. I, I say, say intravenous tomato. injection. <laughs> tomato, intravenous injection. Tomato, intravenous injection. Let's call the whole thing off. <laughs> the queen brings in the nightingale of Samarand. Samarkand. Samarkand, thank you. Uh, who is the wizard in a very unflattering outfit. He looks a lot like Elton John in a go-go dancer cage. <laughs> <laughs> like Elton John from Kingsman 2, right? No, Elton, well, Elton John just in his flamboyant costumes because yeah. he's always, like, he's always in, like, these very fabulous, colorful, I've seen ones where he's, like, very feathery, you know? Yeah. So, that's the yeah. Kingsman 2 outfit is the big poofy feathers that kind of look like Big Bird on LSD. I imagine he probably wore that other places, too. Because he's Elton John, and he likes his costumes. Mm -hmm. uh, hey, I'm not going to fault him for it. I would wear the Big Bird on LSD costume, too, honestly. Uh, but for very different reasons. Yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> the Queen and her ladies help Fred into bed. Hey, that rhymed, and Fred is unable to get comfortable. She yells at the Nightingale to be quiet and begins the sleepy battle of her life on top of, on top of the peak of Matt... 
on top of the peak of Mattress Mountain, where she <laughs> battles the spirits of insomnia. Fred decides to try a hard reset and descends Mount P-Pad to ask the Nightingale John... God damn it. Fred descends Mount P-Pad to ask the Nightingale John to sing again, but she quickly regrets her decision and pushes his cage out into the hall. Climbing the Mattress Mountain again, she begins counting sheep in an effort to fall asleep, and the scene fades to black. You know, thinking about it, the whole princess and the pea thing does kind of make sense. If you think about the fact that... Monarchs are fucking crazy. Mon well, not just that, but monarchs would be so inbred that you'd have, like, hemophilia and stuff, so you would end up black and blue from just the barest of anything. So that's what kind of the test is going. Is, is she a true sensitive? Is her family tree a stump? I don't <laughs> want my son to marry any family tree that goes higher than knee level. Is she going to be like King Charles II of Spain? I want her to be King Charles II of Spain. Where's my Habsburg <sighs> jaw? Um... <laughs> And then my family brain trees shouldn't be a funnel. No, family trees should not be a funnel. First rule of genetics: spread them around. Um, spread them apart, farther apart. Uh, anyway, anyway, anyway. Uh, 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 the joke. I had a joke, and now it's slipping. Come back, come back, joke. It was good. Okay, I got it. So, <laughs> more than the inbreeding, uh, because. Monarchs always had shit that the poorer folk couldn't have. Mm -hmm. Lead was very big and popular, so that maybe too. we could attribute some of this wackadoodle nonsense to <laughs> everybody in the royal family has lead poisoning. Yeah. And it's affecting their brain. I just mean more that they're testing for the, yeah. do you have hemophilia? <laughs> I think it's That's more... That's what we want. The queen is just giving a test under false pretenses mm -hmm. that this is what I'm looking for, really. <gasps> okay. The following morning, the queen greets the prince, who looks his best, and the queen inquires why. I want to look good for... I want to look my best for Fred on her test day. The queen divulges the dirty details of the test and implies that Swamp Girl must have failed since she was falling asleep before they even left the chamber. She looked dreary, dreadful, old enough to be his overbearing bitch of a mother. There, I finished the <laughs> sentence for her. She doesn't finish the sentence. She, she's not old enough to be your... Never mind, so... The court is all gathered and wondering where Winifred is. Probably still wiping the sleep out of her eyes, snidely chirps the queen. But who walks into the hall? Who? Who, I ask you? If you guessed Winifred, you've scored 10 out of 10 on the predictability meter. <laughs> Winifred comes in, still counting sheep. 37,436, 37,437, 37,437 what, inquires the queen. Sheep! Bloody no good fluffy ass sheep! <laughs> you should take that mattress and put it down in your torture room. What do you stuff your mattress with? Jousting equipment? Winifred is a little testy understandably, mm -hmm. since she was drugged and then unable to sleep. Yep. The queen is flabbergasted at the impossibility that a single pea could keep this swamp creature awake. The prince gets excited because Fred passed the test, and now he can get married and put his log in her bog. <laughs> People start to get excited, and the queen tries to move the goalpost of her super-duper, fair-and-balanced, totally-not-rigged test. But Dauntless, who finally is acting like his namesake, cuts through his mother's bullshit and tells her to shut up. 
the queen is speechless for once in her obnoxious fucking life. And the jester is the first to point out that the curse has been lifted. The mouse has swallowed the hawk. The king speaks for the first time in all of his son's life and decrees that Dauntless take Winifred to get some sleep and they can plan his wedding later. He also gets some revenge on his wife by telling her to hop, skip, and jump when he says because now he's in charge and he's got a lot to say. As they're leaving the throne room, the weaselly wizard tries to suck up to the king, telling him how he's always admired how, a, how he was such a strong and silent ruler and how good-looking he is. <laughs> I sure hope the postscript has the wizard being thrown off the highest tower on top of the queen. Don't judge me, <laughs> listeners. A boy can dream. <laughs> Prince <laughs> Prince finally grew a pair takes Princess Winifred back to the royal chamber after she literal after the literal jousting equipment which was stuffed in the lower mattresses has been removed and Winifred is finally able to get some much deserved sleep Prince I just can't wait to be king watches over his <laughs> sleeping soon to be bride and the story concludes. After he pulls the pee out from under the yeah. mattress. Because she uh, oh, gets oh, on and oh. goes, oh! I got, a, I got a side note about that. <laughs> How is the pee not fucking smashed? Right. Just by the weight of 19 mattresses, or 20 right. mattresses, wherever they put it in there. How is the pee not smashed? Big shrug, W. Explain, musical, explain! <laughs> or it's don't. musical. I don't, I don't. It, it won't explain. It, yeah, it won't, it won't explain. Uh... So this show, this version, was definitely entertaining. Um, so this version, um, while it had a higher budget and it had professional music and and all that stuff, it fell short to mm -hmm. the high school version that we saw. Yes, I, it did. I was very shocked. I was very shocked. I anticipated this to be better just because it is professionals doing a professional mm -hmm. show, not passionate miners mm -hmm. uh but yeah the miners excavated a better show than the adults <laughs> and uh it was still entertaining it still had a lot of great moments now i do have to remind you alta is the hawks not the miners that's bingham <laughs> <laughs> utah joke uh yeah I'm here all night well <laughs> be sure to tip your k um, but yeah, I, I still enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a show that I will look forward to seeing in the future. Awesome. Um, it is definitely up there on my list of mm -hmm. just favorite. Like, even though it's got tons of nonsensical bat shittery all around it, and I, I tr I, the, in, the incestuous undertones mm -hmm. really bother me because obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, but it's funny. It's entertaining. You know, I still would agree that the two characters that are my favorite characters are still the queen and the princess. Mm -hmm. uh, they just, I mean, and it, granted, it's it's definitely those two are the focus because, you know, one is the villain, technically. Yeah. And the other one is, you know, the, the hero. Yeah. Um, it's just, it was good. It was good, though. I mean, I... Yeah, I mean, I know I've been giving it a hard time, but it was mm -hmm. still a good show. And uh, if you if you haven't seen once upon a mattress this is a fair version to see mm -hmm. i yeah i would say that this version is good for an introduction to it um i i would say if a local production is around i would see that over this i would agree because with that. i would agree with that the acting like you said isn't 
stellar um, in this version. Uh, I would even go so far as to say that it was subpar in a lot yeah. of ways. Well, so maybe I'm being too harsh. F- for me, who stood out were, of course, Tracy Ullman. Um, I did like Carol Burnett, even though I... And I think that that was the directing that might have been an issue with it's, her. It's very um, possible. I mean, who knows? I and, mean, of course, Tommy Smothers, because I'm a Smothers Brothers <laughs> fan, so automatically I like... Oh, I forgot to mention, it was great when, in the very beginning, when they're testing the princess in the green dress, mm-hmm. and... Uh, the king is sitting there playing with a yo-yo. Yeah, doing yo-yo tricks. And they're just like... And the queen was in there, stop playing with your toys. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a decent adaptation. It's a decent production. Um, I didn't like the cinematography of most of it, but that's... It, it's a style of cinematography that I don't like that was really popular in the early to mid-2000s. Uh, I will ask you to oh, elaborate. Sorry, folks. There is a helicopter overhead. We gave someone a heart attack from our review, and yep. they're being life flighted to the yeah. interview. Yeah. So, um, but uh, if I can guess, because you're talking about cinematography, which mm-hmm. I didn't really think about necessarily. Um, I did think that in a lot of the shots, it seemed like they were too close. Yes. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. And okay. that was so big in the early 2000s. That I just, I remember that in a lot of kids' media, and I hate it. I'm not a fan of it either. Uh, I, and I, for whatever reason, chalked it up to a, di- a directional choice because they're like, oh, well, it's a theater show, and mm-hmm. since you're doing theater, you're usually closer to a stage, and so I was like, maybe that was their reasoning no, behind it. Was, but it was the so Disney... I gave them too much credit. <laughs> it, it was it was the thing that was popular at the time, but even at the time, I hated it. Um, I want to say that... Uh, gosh, what is the Cinderella movie that was around? Oh, uh, Ever After? No, there's a different one that Eric Idle was in. But it had some of the same cinematography, but it did it better. And I feel like they were trying to do that with this in a lot of cases. Like, other stuff in the cinematography, the color was really great. The lighting was really good. Even though they, it was very obviously on a set, it was still good. <laughs> it, uh, that's something that made me laugh about this version, is it felt, it felt almost cartoonishly presented yes. in a sense of, like, you're looking around and nothing seemed real. I don't know if you ever watched, like, the We Sing videos or, uh, there were, there were a bunch of different nursery rhyme videos around in the late 80s, um, and that's what it felt like to me, was some of those. So it felt like they were trying to throw back to those, but at the same time they were doing those dumb, up-close shots that didn't need to exist. Agreed. (laughs) That it's like, no, just... Be like a normal fucking person and pull the camera back a little bit. I don't want to look up someone's nose. You know, it reminds me of uh, some action movies. Like, the one that comes to mind specifically is the first Transformers movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, like, you're 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 right in the ball bearings of the Transformers, so you mm-hmm. can't see what's going on. Yeah. It's like, come on. Like, we want to appreciate what's... At- we paid money to see a film, so, like, back yeah. your ass up so we can see what's going on. At least in this case, everything was brightly colored because I... Almost, like I said, cartoonishly. Yeah, cartoonishly colored. Um, But it was at least 
that was a saving grace for it. You know, and I, uh, the more I think about it, it was Disney. They Mm -hmm. made it for television. They Mm -hmm. wanted it to be prime time so that the entire family could watch it. Mm -hmm. So with with that in mind, some of the direction makes a little more sense. Mm -hmm. I feel like it probably could have been done a little bit better. Yeah. Especially, absolutely. Especially being Disney. Especially with that kind of, uh, production force behind it mm-hmm. but at, at the same time who knows like sometimes just because a big uh powerful studio is involved doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be giving their a game because yeah. often people can be like oh well if they hear that it's being produced by this group or these actors are in it they're like we can cut back a little bit because we know people are going to see it just for these people yeah i mean there's a reason hence that... the cats trailer yeah Anyway, we're not uh, here to complain about horribly CGI'd cats. No, not yet. Not yet. Ugh. But yeah, no, it, it's it's a good it's a it's a decent production. Some of the acting falls short. Um, I think without Tracy Ullman in it, it wouldn't have. Without Tracy Ullman and Carol Burnett, I don't know that I would have had as much fun. Just because with them, I'm like, okay, I I still enjoy them. I I'm, Zoe Deschanel I'm, was not. I really I feel, and I feel bad because I'm sure she's a really really nice person. I've never seen anything mm-hmm. negative with her. Like she beats yeah, her makeup no. people or anything like that. But I just I, I whenever she is acting, I feel like she is just not mm. there. Like she just doesn't care. She's like, when do I get a sing? Yeah, like, that kind of attitude. Um, which I don't know. I feel like they could have replaced her with someone else and that would have upped the acting at least a bit because mm-hmm. um, she doesn't have a lot of singing no so it, no you she doesn't you don't necessarily need to have a good singer you could have someone who's a better actor anyway but you're talking about that if i hadn't had carol burnett and uh, tracy ullman you don't think you would have uh, been as interested for me because those two characters are the characters i like the most yeah so i think as long as they would have had two good actors mm-hmm. in those roles i probably still would have liked it oh, however fair. however you know both of those actors material and uh that's true better than i, I do i do i i like both of them a lot so and i am uncultured swine and have to be reminded every single time who the fuck people are tracy ullman is where matt Groening got his start for simpsons see and i do remember that but i never saw any of her show that i can remember it, it was fun I, I didn't see a lot of it, but I've seen clips here and there and was like, oh, I like this. <laughs> I like Tracy Ullman. But um, yeah, and uh, like Dauntless was good. Um, it just, whew, his, his, the interactions between Carol Burnett and his actor just creeped me the fuck out. And I know it was intentional. I know it was intentional, but it's still just, ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Did yeah. not like that. Yep, 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 yep. Nope, 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 nope. So, do you have anything else you want to say about uh, Once Upon a Mattress? Woman pees the bed. God damn it. Well, uh, next month is December. And, uh... Oh my god. Yeah. <gasps> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, Kay. We are coming up on doing our show for an entire year. Yep. Uh, in January, January 31st will be our one year. 
with doing this show. Yeah. I mean, recording it, we are coming up on, because we recorded ahead of time, because we were good about that, and then I got sick. Well, we both <laughs> and, Yeah, we, we both, both got sick. We both had time to get in. Life happens. Life happens, but yeah, it'll be a year soon, which will be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure that you're wondering what we're going to be doing for December. Is it going to be a whole month of Christmas-themed, excluding cats? There are only going to be two. <laughs> I'm okay Christmas with that. Th- well, no, there's only one Christmas-themed that we're going to do. We're going to do one Christmas-themed. Uh, we're going to do two that one of them I know you're not looking forward to, and the other one I'm pretty sure you're not looking forward to either. But uh, in between those two, we're going to do one that I saw pop up on Amazon Prime that I was like, Oh my gosh, I've been wanting to do a Hanukkah musical. So we're going to be doing a Hanukkah musical in between. Nice. Because um, I, I at first wanted to try to get it during Hanukkah, but we're watching Cats during that, so it'll be before, like the week before Hanukkah, so that, yeah. But our only Christmas one is going to be the next one that we do. Okay. It's going to be uh, a... Bing Crosby feature that, uh... That name sounds familiar. That, uh, he, he is, well, Family Guy mostly jokes about him smacking his kids, but... Oh, with a sack of oranges. Yes, um, but it's, it's, a I I believe it's Irving Berlin, and, uh, because of the way that things are going to go for our Thanksgiving... You'll be dreaming of a white Christmas. We're doing White Christmas next. Okie dokie. And it will be the Bing Crosby version, which will be interesting for you. Kay just made a face, which makes me concerned, because that there's going to be things in this next show that I won't like. Kay is nodding. Kay is nodding with their eyes closed. Mm-hmm. Well, Awesome! Yay! I look forward to it. At least after that, you'll just have SpongeBob, SpongeBob, Meshuggah Nutcracker, and Cats. Meshuggah Nutcracker. I'm excited for that one. Meshuggah Nuts. (laughs) So, that'll be it for today. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, Hope, like we said at the beginning, uh, we're we're just we're. We're in awe of how much folks have been enjoying this and how much all of you have been coming back every week and listening to us. And thank and you for all of your support. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, for patrons, uh, you should see the second part of the Oil of Olay saga <laughs> popping up on uh, your email soon because um, we want to get that to you before Thanksgiving. And then there will be one more part of the Oil of Olay saga to come out uh, the week after Thanksgiving. So it'll be the same week as White Christmas. Um, yeah, I'm I'm just, I, I love you guys and we love you we guys. We love you guys. Hey, throw, include me in there. Okay, we love you guys. <laughs> um, if you want to talk to us, you can uh, follow us on Twitter at Tone Deaf Musical, Facebook, Facebook not Facebook. Facebook is... I thought you were going to the... say Face Badger. What? 
That rebooted my brain, and so the Beck joke that I was going to make is lost forever. Face badger uh, is a badger that's made entirely of human faces. Kay is very mad at me now. Uh, you can also reach out to us on Instagram, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Tone Deaf Musical. You can also check out our website, ToneDeafMusical.com. We have links to all of our other social media things, as well as the Cast Junkie Discord server, where we have our own channel. If you want to come and talk to Kay about musical theater stuff, or just whatever. Or cause... ask Warren, why the fuck a face badger? I... Uh, <laughs> I wish I had uh, I wish I had an answer for you. Uh, if the... you want a face badger T-shirt, <laughs> <laughs> you can oh. go to our store on Tone Deaf Musical. Oh God, <laughs> face badger! Oh, <laughs> this will be a shirt that Warren will be drawing. Because <laughs> if I draw it, it will be a nightmarish monstrosity. Oh, it'll be my ne- my ne- will be a nightmarish monstrosity <laughs> if I do it as well. You you will for sure get to have a Puss and Pie shirt if you go to our uh, Tone Deaf Musical website with... Love uh, the Puss and Pie. Yep, love Puss and Pie. Um, <laughs> uh, you can also, if you want to go above and beyond, you can support us on Patreon. Uh, Tone Deaf Musical there. Um, you can also leave us a review uh, on your podcatcher of choice or on Podchaser, please help us out with reviews um it uh especially being a small independent uh theater arts podcast uh it is definitely difficult to get people to find us unless they hear from word of mouth about tone deaf yes so if you enjoy the show please uh recommend it to friends and family who either enjoy watching Either enjoy a discussion of musical theater and have a mutual love and respect for it, or enjoy watching an idiot struggle to understand uh, theater. Yep. And so. uh, also a reminder, we are explicit when you're sharing this podcast. So. Yes. We say we say naughty words. We say the fuck word a lot. We, we started out not. Mm-hmm. And then Spider-Man the musical happened. And then Spider-Man the fucking musical happened. Okay. <laughs> We've gone a little off the rails. Anyways, no worries. So, thank you so much for joining us this week. We look forward to seeing you next week. Yep. Thank you guys so much. That'll be it for this week. I'm Kay. I'm Warren. This has been Tone, Tone Deaf. Deaf.